Peloton is gifting you their best offer of the season. Get up to $600 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that is right for you with accessories ranging from cycling shoes to non-slip grip dumbbells and more. Whether you have 10 minutes to spare for a strength class or 30 minutes for a running or cycling class, there's a workout that works for you with music that is truly iconic. So don't miss out on Peloton's best offer of the season. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 6, 2022. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's a week of Friday, March 9th, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our under-construction podcast studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffolds. Mm, so blessed. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chandler Strang. Hello. My brother. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, our newest cast member, author, speaker, podcaster, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. Not, yes. Not the quilter. Not no, the don't even bring her up. Yep. Uh, it's uh, b- good to be back with you guys. It's been actually two calendar weeks since we've recorded because yeah. this past week, Jesse and I were uh, over in Africa. Yeah, and, let me hop in here yeah, and take, take over the questions for a second. Can you yes, tell yes, me yes, about, and Annie, of course, yes. Tell me about Africa. So we went uh, with a small team uh, with World Vision. Normal sized people, just not a lot of them. Correct. Oh there was oh three. Boy. There were three of us on the trip uh, uh, with with World Vision. <laughs> um, Jesse and I went to Somaliland, which I learned is different from Somalia. But is it? Are they connected? They yeah, yeah. So they broke similar. off in '86, yeah. and uh, Puntland, Somaliland, uh, are not to be confused with Somalia. But uh, they're oh. on the northern coast of Africa on the Red Sea. Okay. Yeah, and it, and it's like an interesting situation because the, no other country in the world recognized Somaliland except for Somaliland. But that's true. Oh, my. Uh, okay. Like internet. So, like technically, we were in Somalia, but if you ask anyone where there, we were in Somaliland. That's like crowning yourself homecoming queen and just saying it. Even yeah. if no one else agrees with you. Well, right. the interesting thing is Somaliland has a democratically elected president and they exist separately no. from Somalia. They have their own currency, even. He holds up a dollar. We were there because um, there the, the region is very primitive. I mean, there's no literally no roads. Um, and uh, the indigenous people have been suffering through an eight-year drought. And it's a, one of the most remote and disconnected areas in Africa. And so... Um, the team at World Vision has been uh, there and is aware of you know what's going on, and they're doing some relief work. And they invited us to go see it because it's probably the most underreported humanitarian crisis that's happening right now. And so, you know, uh, I, how many? How, uh, you probably just said this, but I missed it. How many people are, are in the in Somaliland? Is it like I don't? I actually don't know. I'm just yeah. anecdotally, is there like an airport that you flew into? We flew yeah. into a, a city called Hargeisa. Three, 3.5 million is the population. Yeah, okay. and Hargeisa, you know, we stayed in the nicest hotel called the Ambassador Hotel in Hargeisa one, uh, two of the nights that mm-hmm. we were there. No air conditioning, very primitive by Western standards, but mm-hmm. it's definitely the the one and only quote-unquote nice hotel in, 
in Hargeisa, mm-hmm. where we stayed out in the field, no roads. So we had to drive uh, with compasses through about 10 hours no. uh, by truck uh, and, and terrain mm-hmm. to get up to the remote region where the drought is the worst, which mm-hmm. is along the coastline of the Red Sea. And that, that area is just villages, huts, mm-hmm. um, you know. And, and they don't have water. No, 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 no water. Um, uh, what's, what's, what's crazy is, is this, I've been, I've, over the years, uh, I've been, I've had the opportunity to go to a lot of difficult places. I mean, I've been, mm-hmm. uh, on uh, the Bekaa Valley on the Lebanese Syrian border and, uh, Syrian refugee camps and their tents. I've been in Palestinian ghettos. I've been in, I've been to Gaza. I've been to Haitian slums. I've mm-hmm. been, I mean, I've been to hard places. Mm-hmm. And I've never experienced anything like this mm-hmm. um, really? because no matter where you are, and this is almost like a missions trip cliche, you could be on a trash heap in Ecuador and children come running and they have smiles and they, you know, there's joy in the midst of poverty. And then the Americans go back home going, Oh, I just don't understand how they have nothing. And they're so happy. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Right. That cliche is actually largely true, mm-hmm. you know? And I, experienced not one smile the entire time we were there. Yeah, there was, this, there was an oppression yeah, yeah. and a hopelessness that I've never seen firsthand before. Um, there's no food. There's no water. Um, it, it's an, it's a drought that has come in two waves, multi-year waves over the course of the last eight years. It hasn't rained. What was green and lush is turning into desert. Yeah. And what... Um, uh, what the international community has done is treated it as a short-term relief situation. Mm-hmm. And if you, you are in development mm-hmm. and you know that relief and development are two different things. Uh-huh. Relief uh, is I, w- there's a crisis, uh, a typhoon, an earthquake. Right. We're going to show just up. Stop the bleeding. We're going to show right. up. We're going to feed you. We're going to take care of you. Right. And there is a end point to that. Right. You can't. Okay. Right. So the international aid community has treated the drought as relief needs and has been funding sustenance level food and, 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 and whatnot mm-hmm. that the U S USAID um, ended their funding of those programs on December 31st, 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, the current administration said, nah. Yeah. And we were in villages that were receiving emergency aid that stopped six weeks ago mm-hmm. or eight weeks ago and they are dying yeah. and they are famished and there's no water and no food. What you learn about this region, the indigenous people up there, is they have historically been herdsmen. Goat and sheep have been their livelihood, mm-hmm. not only for food, but also trade. That's mm-hmm. what they would sell into the cities yeah. and whatnot. That's their whole economy. Their entire right. economy is herdsmen. And the area ravaged by drought, we, we were talking to women and men and old people and young people, you know, the, the, this lady in this hut, you know, uh, what, before the drought, how many, how many heads of, uh, livestock did you have? Uh, 1200. How many do you have now? Nine. No. Nine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every morning, another one dies. Yeah. Um, this man, how many did you have? We had actually 2000 head, you know, what do you have now? We have about 50, you know, like literally. Gosh. So, so all of a sudden their entire uh, primitive economy is collapsed, right. but also they can't feed their livestock. And so on top of that crisis, this is wild Africa. I mean, there's camels everywhere. There's hyenas. And so one of the most jarring and unexpected things I saw what, or heard um, was that these hyenas, what do they do? They live in the hills and they pluck off livestock. Mm-hmm. Their, their food source has now 
died. Right. So they're turning on the humans. Right. No. And so now the hyenas are hunting the humans. Mm-hmm. And so people are dying not only from drought and famine, but also hyena attacks. Yeah, we, we, we literally met a grown man. I mean, because, uh, you know, a lot of it affects, obviously, children. But we even met a grown man who was attacked by hyenas and had, like, you know, his face was all, you know, clearly he yeah. he had been, you know. And attacked. children are getting plucked off and, 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 and you know, it's just, anyway, I was talking to Brian Dust from World Vision while we were there who who has uh, been on, I've, I've been on a couple of trips with him and he does a lot of, you know, he works with World Vision and, 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 and I was talking about just like, I'm a, I'm a solutions minded person in these situations. I have empathy and compassion, but it's mm-hmm. like, I, I'm in Haiti after the earthquake and I'm immediate, I want to learn how's the path out. Yeah. You know, what's the upstream that we, okay, yes, this, whatever this quote unquote you know, issue is, is awful, but let's go upstream and systemically talk about long-term change, generational change in whatever situation, whether it be, you know, trafficking or poverty or, you know, disease or whatever yeah. it is. Let's talk. That's what I want to advocate for. Let's educate. Let's, let's, let's uh, draw people's attention to the crisis and then talk about what we can do to be part of the change. And I'm saying to Brian, this is the first time I've, I've seen what seems to be a hopeless situation. Like there is no clear path out for this region because the land has died. Yeah. And, and, and you can't do handouts forever and the land has just died. And then there, this, the, the country is so primitive. There's no roads. There's no, there's literally no infrastructure there for trade or economy or education or anything. Children can't go to school and get education because there's literally no food or water is, for them to what, live. Did anybody bring up like, why haven't they started to migrate out? Like, is there, is that they, a possibility? They are migrating. They're yeah. Leaving. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but where, but Eddie, but where there's nowhere the, to go. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. I mean, especially, and not to get, you know, political, but w- when you look at, you know, the situation with our country accepting refugees and right. what's mirrored around the world, um, y- you know, the, the, a lot of Western countries simply aren't friendly to people from regions well, like Somalia for all the mm. reasons we've, you know, kind of everyone by now is very aware of, you know, a few mm. years ago, they said, uh, that, you know, it's on the Northern coast, it's on the Red Sea. If you cross the Red Sea, there's, you know, other mm. lands that would take them in, you would think. And they said a few years ago, there was, there was an effort of the locals to try to get out mm-hmm. and they were turned away mm. and sent back. Mm. And so they're sent back to death. You know, yeah. yeah, just to die. They're trapped. They're mm. trapped, and 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 nobody's aware of their plight. Nobody's talking about it, and that's why we were there. So yeah, and 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 just and just for context, you know, when, when because this really, I feel like puts, you know, especially for Cameron and I who were there and saw it firsthand, you know, kind of a, a real tangible face and place on something like the refugee ban. Like the, when we talk about those countries that, you know, I think the criticism of that move was that they were arbitrary, relatively arbitrarily chosen. Somalia is on that list of mm. we're blocking people coming from here. But when you go there, you know, you, you don't, you don't feel in danger at, uh, at any point, you just see an incredible need oh. and not only, only has aid been cut off to the region, 
but the ability to have some sort of uh, plan to accept refugees has now been dramatically hindered, ultimately, for political reasons. There's a real consequence to... political and, and and legislative things that have happened and people need to be aware of that, 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 you know, people are suffering. So world vision is full of the smartest people on the planet. What's a single step that they're hoping happens now? Are they hoping like one, one, we get- have to advocate for the, the relief, uh, the relief budgets that have been slashed by 40%. Okay. We as Americans have to advocate for legislation to, uh, refund the emergency coffers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's short term. Long term, we sat down with the mayor of the region, which included 56 villages. Mm-hmm. You know, we sat down wow. with the, the village elders. We sat down with people in their huts and in their homes and asked them about their lives, about the area before the drought and what it is now and mm-hmm. what they feel they need to, to survive and, and thrive again one day. Mm. The, the, the sad irony of the land is that it was so plush. And so, I mean, if you've ever been to like Rwanda or South Sudan or whatever, you, what's in your head is, you know, deserts with flies on yeah. their faces and that kind of stuff. That's not those countries. Those countries right. are lush and tropical. They are the breadbasket of Africa. Mm-hmm. They are, they are gorgeous. Yeah. Um, uh, Somaliland used to be like that. Mm-hmm. And now it has turned into desert. There is nothing alive mm-hmm. other than poisonous weeds that are also killing livestock and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very invasive. Yeah. Very invasive. They were, uh, they came up from Kenya and have, there's no predator to them and they are taking over the area. So you see mm-hmm. dirt or sand and these weed tree things that are filled with thorns and they are poisonous to animals and humans and they're everywhere and they are not stopping. It's like crabgrass. I mean, it's crazy, but, but regardless, the, the, the thing that they said, this is the sad irony. We were on the coast. We're on a village that is literally beachfront. Mm -hmm. Okay. Of the Red Sea. I've never seen a beach as far as the eye can see in all directions. And we drove all over the place. We were probably in these trucks for 20 hours over the course of two days. Um, Not one thing on them. Like there's not one boat. There's not one dock. There's not one house. There's not one building. There's not nothing. The gorgeous beachfront, Red Sea, literally completely primitive, untouched land. And these villages are these, you know, like, you know, these, they, they make their huts out of sticks and then they put like a blanket over it for protection. Um, and these, these kind of like pop-up tent type structures are, are, are around. And these men who were herdsmen are sitting there looking at f- fish, yeah. an yeah. unlimited supply of fish and have no ability to fish it. No mm-hmm. ability to, they have no equipment. They have no knowledge. And no the boats. men, yeah. the, 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 the elders of the village, the mm-hmm. mayor, the, the, the men themselves, they've yeah. said, if, if we could tell, if somebody's going to hear our story, could you please send something to help us fish? Yeah. Because if sure. we could fish, we could feed our families and then at least we're surviving. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as far as like the long-term economic turnaround of going from a livestock herdsman economy to mm-hmm. something else, there are no roads. There's no commercial fishing opportunities because there's no roads to distribute it. There's no way to get the fish from the North coast down into the cities or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's they're marooned, mm-hmm. but at least they could survive. 
Yeah. That would be a, another phase of development. And if they could eat and if they could survive, the children could get educated because each village mm-hmm. has a school. And, you know, there's, there's things that the international aid community can do for long-term development. Right. That's the sort of work Something that systemic. World Vision yeah. also does. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's health and we saw m- maternal clinics and health clinics and we mm-hmm. saw things that are there because of international efforts, you mm-hmm. know, of organizations like World Vision and uh, um, Feed the Hungry and others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, short term emergency relief, next phase, yeah. coastal region of Somaliland, yeah. teach them to fish, help them fish. And then long, longer term phase, right. you know, get those kids educated and, and, and build some infrastructure into that country. Hey, yeah. just for us listening, because there's, you know, there's a lot of people listening to this right now. What would be like, like support World Vision, right? Your senator, what uh, would be next? Yeah, go ahead, Jess. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, if you look at the work that World Vision is doing, you can give like designated gifts that, you know, to the region or to specific projects, you know. Um, but and then also, you know, just becoming, I, I think, for the short term, more politically aware. Yeah. Write your senators and vote and, and vote in a way, you know, that represents values and that that keeps in mind, you know, these people. We, we met one woman who, you know, was getting I think, you know, she had I don't know, I think like seven. She was caring for like seven kids. Yeah. And at one point for, for a few years, she was receiving something like $80 a month through a USAID program. To be well, able to it was the emergency children. relief, I think. Yeah. So if yeah. there's yeah. a tsunami or an earthquake, the USAID will come in for a mm-hmm. year or three years. Yeah. There's always an end point. Yeah. And, and will help and has these like cards, these vouchers to help people who have lost their livelihood or their and where homes. Where do I even go spend the money? So, so there are like stores and little ramshackle stores or little okay. like or, little or shops. Or, yeah. yeah, little shops and stuff around. You know, they may have to walk 10 kilometers. But it's like cans of tuna and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. At least it keeps them alive. And sure. that funding ended December 31st. Yeah. And so, so so basically her story was because of, you know, because that program to that because that the the, the drought is ongoing, that relief effort aid program had been renewed every year mm. but the most recent federal budget required a 40 percent decrease in international aid and on the chopping block was this program that did not get renewed and and again th- th- this has nothing to do with political opinions this is just the reality of the situation you know the woman now we ask well how are you getting food and she said because she had been shop you know um, going to these shops for so long, they had allowed her to essentially like open up a tab for the last few months. And so she's acquiring the, debt that she has no means to get out of. Yeah. Right. And when we yeah. ask, and her expectation is that maybe this aid program will come back and she can pay back these shop owners who are now giving her food to feed her family. And we ask her, you know, what happens if the aid doesn't come back? And it was just this long pause. And, and you know, it's, um, it's primarily a Muslim country and it was just this long balls. And she just said, Allah, like basically I'm turning to, you know, God because there, power, no yeah. one else is coming here to help. And it's, it's just a really desperate situation. And like I, like I said, it, it, it puts a face to, um, and real stories to issues that, 
have roots in politics and legislation and economics that, you know, people just need to be aware of the consequences of how we, you know, how we steward the resources that our country has been given. My goodness. Okay. Can I also say the other thing I learned on this trip is if you're going to be taking Jeep rides through the African countryside with no roads, uh, with no roads uh, for, you know, five hours at a time. Bring Dramamine. Because <laughs> yeah, buddy. Some so, people have Jesse. a tendency to get motion sickness and <laughs> in a hot truck for five hours. Did you uh, You so don't want to be so the guy much. that has to oh. repeatedly pull over a convoy in an unstable oh, region. Yes. Uh, yeah, and right. so that's just a little life lesson. Okay. Jesse, did you have malaria nightmares? Disappointingly, no cool malaria dreams. No nightmares. Just violent, violent illness. Uh, but, um, you know, oh. ironically, it really was. You, you it was told bad. this whole story about the reality there. When I asked Jesse earlier, you know what his response was? What? Great trip. Loved it. <laughs> so, <laughs> didn't learn a thing. Just totally great. Jesse, I feel so bad for him because the second I've traveled enough with him, I, I know what he's susceptible to. And the second we got in the trucks from our hotel and realized there are no roads in the city and it was going to be that bumpy. The second we got out of the city and, and we're navigating by compass on just terrain. And in fact, the saddest part, I mean, of just the terrain, uh, a major part of the of the where, how we got up to the northern region was driving through what used to be rivers. You know, no. they're completely no. sand dried riverbeds, dried massive. Sure, because they're already highways. created for it, so cars can just go through them. Yeah. That's so, awful. but anyway, yeah, it was like it was like you know a really bad uh, a really bad yeah. uh, ride, and Jesse just turned completely green within poor five minutes. Poor fella. And like yeah. I said, you don't want to be the guy who pulls over a giant convoy with like military <laughs> guys with guns who are laughing at you. I think I think it's, the second or third one was like, you know, uh, my man, my man, <laughs> he's like tapping him on the shoulder, my man, <laughs> like, and he's like door is on the open side of before. a cliff too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah. Jesse. <laughs> well, well, hey, move the show along. Welcome, welcome back. Completely different. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, well, I have forward. news. What? I saw the first ever episode I've ever seen of The Bachelor last night. Oh, oh wow. wow. What'd wow, you wow, think? Wow, wow. Finale. What an unbelievable, just crazy cultural phenomenon. I really. <laughs> cesspool of humanity. Yeah, I was going to say, Eddie, hot take here. Guys, there's this show. I'm not going it's a cultural phenomenon. So it's just called to, The Bachelor. I, I, I think it's I think it's European. Um, I've got to learn more about this, but yeah. it is. I, I mean, listen. I think they're onto I mean, something. Yeah, I mean, you guys, I, I, I think I'm on the crest of a, a little trend here. I didn't know? mean to watch it, but every night at 730, of course, Brianne and I watch Wheel of Fortune. Jeopardy, okay. Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Uh, so finish Wheel of Fortune, and it turns out it's the next thing on. I can't believe people allow this in the world. Okay, yeah. listen, here's the problem. You jumped in on the episodes that feel the most like the capital from Hunger Games. Like yeah. the last two or three are the most where you're going, what am I doing with my life? The rest of <laughs> yeah. the season is but, way more entertaining. But he's like hugging. It's almost like, like American Idol kissing back this in woman, the day. It's and like, then the next day, it's a whole other person. Yeah, no, that's, Eddie, you're uh, acting like this is such a shock to you. Like that is the that is the baseline premise of this show but that I has never, been on for like twelve years. I never disgusting. realized they were like dating. I always thought it was just sort of like we're all like, getting to know each other. It was like the dating game. Yeah, like I could hang out with Bachelor one friend one, one night and one friend yeah. the other night. Oh, but they're like no, 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 dating. they're like 
kissing and dating and really dating. Yeah, they, no, yeah, and, they do. And, and many seasons sleeping together, and, yeah. and he's just going Cut. around sleeping with four or five women. It's no, it's no, no, disgusting. just three, just three, just three. Oh, that's a. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I'm not it's saying disgusting. it's better. I'm just telling you, the fantasy suites are only given to three girls or men, as the case may be, depending on whether it's a bachelor. or I did not see that part. There's a fantasy suite where they're expected oh, yeah. to. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. Eddie, once again, I'm shocked that you, you you that you had not even like the an inkling of knowledge <laughs> what the premise of this show no, was. I knew there were multiple <laughs> people, but I did not wait, know wait, it was so dating. You're telling me. Hold on. No, no, no. I'm, no, 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 no. I know it was a guys. Wait, there's a guy and multiple women and yeah. they and date on a show him? called The Bachelor? Oh, this is unbelievable. I, I didn't know the extent to which the relationship went. I yeah. was like shocked that they were all like because oh, I, I can saw tell you the extent the relationship goes nowhere. That's the extent yeah. the relationship goes. Do any of them stay married? Do you know the stats are that the bachelorettes significantly more marry the one they pick than the bachelors do? I mean, there's Sean Lowe and Catherine. They've made it. There's a couple that have made it. Mm. But but Ari, I mean, you saw last night. Spoiler alert. Ari isn't going to end up with either of them girls. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, really? Oh, it was just like he's well, saying. Uh, well, like, just to, to let everybody know, we are recording this in between the two finales, so there's a two I nights of finale. I got that. forty. I got forty five minutes in, and I just could not. I was like, I we've got to watch something else. Yeah, seriously. yeah. You know, there's a whole show on. I don't remember what channel. There's a whole show, a fictional show that a former Bachelor producer has written that that shows the behind the scenes. Oh yeah. And so the, the Bachelor producer has taken all these like real things that have happened on Bachelor before and made it into a fictional show and it is fascinating what, what? goes on wow. what? speaking of Hallmark Channel oh Ooh. somebody oh yeah and he made her national television debut this week on the That's Hallmark right. Channel on Home and Family she was the leading role in the movie of the week I wish That's it. That's, this is just a stepping stone I love being on Home and Family but come on Christmas movie what, 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 is, <laughs> the, what is the segment Annie uh, we're talking about 100 Days to Brave. It was really cool because all the, there's like six of them that kind of there's two main hosts and then there's six of them that are kind of in the family, they say. And yeah. they we all sat down on the couches and talked about our brave moments. And it was I mean, one of the girls like really went in and talked about like brave enough to try to get pregnant again after she'd had a miscarriage. Whoa. I mean, like everybody was like tearing up and I accidentally preached at her and it just it, it was really it was way more special. I mean, I thought it was cool because y'all know I think. And oh my gosh, I can't believe I haven't told y'all this shit. Next door to the home and family house is the set for Good Place. Do y'all watch the Good Place? Yeah. No, I don't even know what oh that is. yeah, yeah, yeah. The NBC oh, show. Yeah, yeah. yeah with the Kristen Ted Bell Danson and Kristen yeah. Bell. Oh. oh, I think it is so funny. And so we like we like left home and family for a minute and walked around the set of the Good Place. And where, wow. where did it film? Oh, in yeah, LA. Universal. Where this is. Cause it's a, yeah, it's like a house, right? Like the, the morning show is like a yeah, house. Yeah. It's an actual house. You walk through the house. Thank you. Chandler, How for do you know that. this? I saw it one time and I just, I, I remember like thinking it's, it's odd that it's filmed in a house. Just when I think I've got you in a box. Yeah. Chandler, you how often whole... do you watch? I feel like that's something weird to stumble upon. I, I feel like in this era, you're not just flipping through the channels. You are yeah. on no, the no, Hallmark it, channel like, for in, something in, in like a waiting room. Like it'd be on the TV oh, or whatever. Yeah, so you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah, sitting yeah, there for yeah. an hour and you watch the thing. Yeah. Also, like when you film the in the kitchen, they tell everybody to move to the dining room. And when you're filming in the living room, they move everybody to the guest room. Yeah. They like, it's, it's really interesting. It is an actual house though. Yeah. So, so there's an, another set next door to it because I just assumed it yeah, was just yeah. a house in, in a neighborhood or something like that. So it used to be. But now there's like, yeah, there's a couple of different houses. It's right next to all the Western front houses because they don't film uh-huh. Westerns anymore. So you walk down the street by all these Westerns oh, cool. and then there's just a house. 
It was awesome. Like, it was at Universal, that stuff. That you said? fascinating. Universal Studios? Yeah, yeah. Universal Studios. Oh, wow. There's a, cool. At the Hallmark section of the Universal Studios. I think that was a nice around the table update of all of us. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I just went to Smallyland. I saw the bat- first 45 minutes of The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, and Chandler was in a waiting room for something. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I was getting the oil changed. Uh, you know, I, and, uh, you know, just got riveted. I didn't leave Jiffy Lou for three hours thinking about this Hallmark house. Yeah, right, you know. the, the car was done in you know 12 minutes. They did. They were Jiffy, but uh, I posted up free coffee and uh, just Hallmarked it. <laughs> well, moving this along, we have a great episode coming up for you today. D- big news. I mean, t- today, nationwide, uh, huge movie releases, A Wrinkle in Time. Yes. And oh, joining wait. us on the show today is director Ava DuVernay. That is nuts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huge. Huge. I can't wait to big hear time. this interview. Does she know about us? Does she know yeah. what she's signing up to be on? Oh, she's, oh, yeah. she's in the new issue of Relevant, and uh, what you're going to hear is part of that conversation mm-hmm. that didn't That's make awesome. the magazine. So. Yes. Uh, it's both and. Uh, also coming up, Jesse, you want to tell us about this? Uh, you know, it's Oscar weekend, Oscar yeah. season. Uh, and, and you want to tell us about the uh, the other segment on the show? Yeah. So we have, uh, people, you know, uh, a, a familiar face to the podcast, Tyler Daswick, uh, uh, who specializes Ooh, in culture it. writing for us. He's leading a roundtable with some of our critics to talk about um, some of the most recent or, or best picture winners in recent history and why some have this kind of state impact and how they you know address social issues um so it's a really interesting segment i you know we we usually don't do two movie things but if we were talking about if there's a week we're going to do movie stuff it's got to be this one because everyone's you know it's you know we got a wrinkle of time releasing but also kind of a lot of discussions with with the oscars that were just on yeah there you go. It's the packed, Oscars. Packed. So interesting. I can't wait to hear yeah. that. This is a big culture show for you, Eddie. You know, it's going to catch you up because I know all you really follow closely is Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> uh, it's just been some really interesting developments in Wheel of Fortune. And, the, <laughs> and, and you the led with it was March some, 9th, which always old, amazes Eddie. How old's Vanna? How old's Vanna? Timeless. But I don't know. She's. I think she's like... I mean, because it was like the mid-80s. Yeah, I think she, I would she bet got that... Going. I, I, mean, I would bet they are well into their 50s. Well, yeah, they'd have to be. More 60s, Mid-80s yeah. would have been 30, I gotta tell you, Pat 32 Sajak, years ago. Pat Sajak is genuinely funny. Oh, yeah. On Twitter? He's one of the best <laughs> follows on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Is he? He's, he's, he's not even like game show host funny. He's like really snarky funny. Because like, he kind of makes fun of the contestants sometimes. Yeah. No, yeah, but he kind of holds them in really high regard. He kind of makes like other meta jokes. I don't know how to explain it, but follow he's got him on Twitter and you'll get oh a man, sense of his real humor. Very it's, funny. On he's Twitter. very funny. A- yes. Eddie, if I held up a picture of Pat and Vanna from 10 years ago and one of this week, could you tell the difference? Because <laughs> in my mind, they are both ageless. They're like they are, Pharrell. They, they are, just they at are. some point got frozen. Pharrell. At, well, that's what I'm saying. You can look for, I, I have no idea how old Pharrell is. Is Pharrell 50? Is he in his thirties? There's a huge swing. Yeah. Do you think he's in his mid forties for yeah. real? I know he is. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Like he you like celebrate his birthday in the early 2000s when he was like, yeah, yeah, but he first, looked you know. exactly the same again. If you gave me a picture of mid 20s Pharrell and one, you know, uh, from yesterday Vanna White is 61, by the way, Vanna White is 61, 61. Hmm. Interesting. And how old is Pat? I'm going to guess 64, 60. And then will you Google how heavy the wheel is? Cause I have always wondered how heavy <laughs> that thing is to spin. Interesting fact. There is only one wheel. 71, 71. He's seventy-one. Good for him. Good for wow. him. Interesting. Well, he goes on all those vacations that they that they. Uh, <laughs> you know, they only tape like they only tape like three months of the year. 
What? No wonder he's so active like, on Twitter. Because they do like six shows in a day or something. Yeah, they do. They just burn through the shows. And wow. that's it. And then they just hang out. He has a house in Orlando. My dream is to see him. Serious? I, oh, yeah. yeah Let's have him on the show. Who would you be more starstruck by, by, by Pat Sajak or Pharrell Williams? Oh, Pat Sajak, certainly. See, I, I was in, I was in a Winter Park uh, years ago, and I was at lunch, and I stepped outside to take a phone call, and as and walked right in front of me on the sidewalk was Lee Corso. Lee Corso. Carrying a box of meat. Lee Corso <laughs> carrying a box of meat. Carrying a box of meat. And I'm like, that well, there like goes Lee Corso carrying wrong. a box of meat. And then later, we went down to the Starbucks, and sure enough, Lee Corso was in there, and he had sat down with a young couple and was just chatting them up. And just, he was just eating like, raw meat. Oh, wow. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do y'all carry boxes of meat in Orlando? <laughs> he was eating a big bloody oh. box of meat. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing? Fraternizing with this couple. Every time we have a guest in the studio, we just let them leave with a big box of meat. Yeah. We just say, well, you know, if if Lee Corso, or honestly, any of the college James Gay crew, crew mainly subsisted on raw meat that they just walked around with, I wouldn't be all that shocked. Oh, to I wouldn't be shocked right? at all. It just seems like they're MO. All right, well, moving so along, it's time for our weekly look back at what happened in culture and oh. entertainment it's time for in case you missed it hey in case you missed it this week common and andre day brought the house down with a stirring performance of stand up for something at the oscars the song which contains lyrics about faith and activism appeared in the film marshall and was nominated for best original song yeah here's a clip these days we dance between love and hate don't know the date, so we stay awake. A knee we take for our soul's sake. New victory off of old faith. A president that chose with hate. He don't control our fate because God is great. When they go low, we stay in the heights. I stand for peace, love, and women's rights. Would you consider Common's style at the beginning of that song spoken word or rap? Or some so, other thing. Uh, I spoke, it's right? common. I mean, yeah, like yeah. he's on yeah. a Microsoft commercial right now, and Dude, I was standing and cheering by the end of it. Right. I mean, it was I like, love him yeah. so much. If he says anything, it's like, oh man, yeah, yeah. he's moving. Yeah, but yeah. I think he's veering more towards spoken word artist. Common. I think one of my favorite quotes about Common that I've ever heard was Shauna, because she was on the show at one point and said, uh, "I met Common last week," and we're like, "Oh," and she just got she got kind of like um, flustery. She's like, uh, "That is a man." She just never said anything like that. No, it's like, well, <laughs> common. He's one of those guys who is just like the, you can't picture a scenario where common isn't like the coolest guy in the room. Like just the right. way he carries right. himself, it's like, no, I'm in very intimidated because of his coolness. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, there's an Oprah update. Ooh, I hope none's oh, wrong yes, with Oprah. I'm ready. Now she says she'll run for president <gasps> if if I'm ready. God tells her to. Okay. After previously Lord saying mine. that she had no intention of running for president, despite her longtime partner, Stedman, hinting that she might. Well, Oprah told People Magazine that she prayed, God, if you think I'm supposed to run, you got to tell me. And it has to be so clear that not even I can miss it. Though she added, I haven't gotten that. Yeah. Um, she also said that all the support from friends has made her look into it more closely. She said, I had people, wealthy billionaires, calling me up and saying, I can get you a billion dollars. I can run your campaign. Uh, that many people saying something made me think, am I at least supposed to look at the question? Uh, don't worry, though. At this point, The Rock is still totally in for 2020. Mm, so. wait. I wish they'd run on the same ticket so hard. Can you imagine? This is great. In case you missed it, uh, th this week, Facebook apologized after it censored conservative Christian satire site, The Babylon Bee. 
Oh. Um, so the site publisher, Adam Ford, got a direct message from Facebook informing him that a story that the site's page had posted, quote, contained info disputed by snoops.com, an independent fact checker. It also warned that repeat offenders will see their distribution reduced and their ability to monetize and advertising or advertise reduced. The offending story contained the headline, CNN purchases industrial sized washing machine to spin news before publication. <laughs> that was the Babylon B story that got banned. Uh, readers who clicked say, on the it's link. It's a little on the nose as a joke, but how could you think this is actually a news story, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, readers who clicked on the link got a message that read, before you share this content, you might want to know that there's an additional reporting on this from Snopes.com. After backlash, Facebook later wow. unflagged the story and issued an apology explaining there's a difference between false news and satire. This was a mistake and should not have been rated false in our system. It's since been corrected and won't count against the domain in any way. Um, the site followed it with an article titled Facebook sends warm reminder to publishers that it is in complete control of their livelihood. <laughs> yeah. I was say, have they ever done that for the onion? You know? Yeah. Well, no. it's like. I it's mean, known satire. Yeah. I don't. I mean, the B they is, just never heard of the B. Yeah, they've gotten oh, popular. Yeah. In like but but our, again, our, it, our, it wasn't like one of the Babylon B headlines that is that you could be tricked into believing was absurd but true. You right, know, right, like right. Th- th- this headline is obviously just a pun. It's just a play right. on words. Like there is no industrial size washing machine that will spin news, right? Like <laughs> no one would think that's an actual machine that exists. So. It, 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 as much as you want to like defend Facebook and like Snopes for trying to weed out fake news, this ruins all of their credibility, in my opinion, because it's like this isn't even plausible. That's not even something that's possible. Like right, this isn't right. fooling anyone. This is just an absurd use of censorship. Right. And lastly, hey, in case you missed it, Nick Offerman, uh, Ron Swanson, uh, if you may, uh, will star in a new show about spiritual warfare and the book of Revelation. The actor is going to star in Amazon's upcoming series, Good Omens, which also stars John Hamm. The show is based on a series of novels about angels and demons who are preparing for the coming apocalypse. The books are co-authored by Neil Gaiman, who also wrote the heavily religious fantasy series American Gods, which has also been turned into a TV show. So is it a comedy, surely, with with... I think it's like I think it's a dramedy. I think it's uh, like Neil Gaiman is is sort of tonally um, like an interesting guy because there's elements of like satire, but also there's like violence and kind of heaviness to his work. Yeah. Well, that's it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, slices. You're listening to Toto. Mm, it's Africa. Africa. <laughs> Great. One of the best songs of all yeah. time. I mean, come on. Ch- and Chandler I mean, and you I could were... sing that so many times because there's so many different parts. On the 34 hours of travel back yeah. from Somaliland, I, I spent quite a few of them making new playlists for The Office yeah. and, of course, put Toto in heavy I just rotation. Heard it. Yeah. I just I like just heard it. I know it's the new playlist. Speaking of Jesse, was your travel significantly worse than Cameron's? I meant to ask you your flight differences. Yes. 
<laughs> so Cameron Cameron informed me the day before we're leaving, hey, by the way, I switched my flight. I'm flying Emirates, which is like oh, state of the art. And um, it, it, it's essentially like the whole plane is first class. Yeah. And he's like, my layover's in Dubai. Um, I get it. He has a night in New York City. I threw, I flew Ethiopian Airlines, which, look, uh, I'm not going to say... I'll just say this: some of their some of their uh, seats hadn't been kept up very well, and, oh, um, <laughs> and there weren't a lot of entertainment options. Like oh, I, the gosh. camera was like, "Yeah, I had like three thousand movies." I just he, somehow he had seen movies that like weren't even out in the theaters yet. You know, yeah. like <laughs> he's watching like advanced critic screeners on. I watched Emirates. eleven. I think I watched eleven movies on my flights. Emirates, oh if I, it was the same price as, as Ethiopian Airlines. I, so I chose Emirates always. If you fly internationally, the difference between a good flight and a bad flight is your entire trip. You know what and I mean? It's like, what it's, you tell your friends, Cameron. I'm still putting this on you. That is so rude. So, you never told Jesse. Anything. So, okay, okay. Cameron watched. Uh, this is because we're, before I get sick, we're chit chatting in our Jeep ride. And I'm like, hey, what'd you watch on the way over? And he's like, oh, I watched like three billboards, you know, like uh, current movies that yeah. are still in the Oscar movie theaters movies, here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know what I watched? Ben Affleck's movie, The Town from 2007. <laughs> That's what I watched. <laughs> I, was, I was watching documentaries, cl- critically acclaimed films. I actually watched the godfather godfather 2 yes i i, I was just i i was in heaven it was great mm-hmm. uh they they bring you you know wonderful meals mm-hmm. full full amenities you know you have a a big 15 inch screen in front of you with i had free wi-fi mm-hmm. on over the entire oh, trip Jesse. it was it was fantastic and and jesse lands i see jesse when we got there and he just looked haggard you did know? y'all like, land about the same time yeah yeah well he got it a little bit before me the other That's thing, awful. too, is I had my layover. So Cameron's layover was in Dubai. Incredible I had two layovers. City. One of them was two and a half hours, which we weren't allowed to get off the plane. <laughs> the second one was uh, uh, six hours in Ethiopia. And she, again, like it, it, it just didn't have the same amenities as I'm sure like an airport like Dubai has. I bought a candy bar and no. I, I feel like this is kind of a red flag. The change that I received in my American dollars were all I promised. This is true. I have them right here in front of me. Two dollar bills. That for me, <laughs> that seemed like a bit of a red flag. That the cash they were giving back was in the form of two dollar bills. I've been yeah. to the Ethiopia airport a few times. Good job finding a candy bar. That's a pretty chill airport. <laughs> yeah, there's, not, there's more, not a lot happening. Oh, and yeah, yeah, also yeah. the power went out at one point in the airport. That was fun. Oh, no. oh yeah. Well, that happens constantly. No way. Yeah, it's more yeah, of a like yeah. plane lands. You go into Ethiopia. Thankfully, kind of I had a candy bar. And sh- should things get really dire- I see a pocket of $2 bills to get me out of the situation. Uh, the Dubai airport is literally a luxury mall, a, a multi-story luxury mall. Uh, all the best American everything. It's it's It was uh, just an oasis in the desert. It I was had amazing. an overnight layover there one time. They have like a, a hotel room you can get for like the hotel rooms. There was like a in water the park. There yeah. was a water park. No. In it. Oh yeah. They had a, they have a, a snow play area in the airport. I mean, it was, it's so high end. Yeah. It's one of the best resorts you would have ever gone to. The this airport. just feels like almost your experiences were so different. It almost is not believable. Like it's just not, it feels <laughs> so this, cool. Eddie, I was happy that on the second, on, on my way back that the uh, seat pocket in front of me didn't have a giant hole where all my things fell out. 
about midway through the flight. Like I felt like it was a win that I got a seat that had a seat pocket. I got a seat pocket this time. I don't have to hold everything in my lap for, you know, 14 hours. I had multiple seats around me open. I could spread out. Oh, uh, you know, mine was completely I, I had like, I had eight pillows to myself. So I made myself a little bed. It was oh my great. Gosh. You know what's weird? Okay, so I got they they gave, they had like food service or whatever, and they also had you know at one point they they gave us like hot napkins. They weren't hot towels. They were definitely like uh-huh. hot napkins. Yeah. Um, and they but you know what's weird is they gave out free socks <laughs> on my flight. Really? Like I feel like it was kind of an acknowledgement of like, listen, we know some things on the physical plane could be better, so we're gonna make it up to you. <laughs> we have How about some with, socks. <laughs> You don't want your feet to touch this. That's what they're yeah. saying to you. Yeah, like Ew, that's probably it. Yeah. Oh Ew. man, I'm sorry. The best part. The best no, part you're not, was Cameron. You are not sorry. Hey, when I told uh, the travel agent if we have these two flight options, Ethiopian or Emirates, and I replied, "Oh, please, Emirates." Yeah. Uh, I assumed that they would just book both of us on Emirates. I, I didn't. I, I'm not going to make choices for Jesse. He can choose his own path. I, I've got. I I, I. I do need to say this though, real quick, Jesse. I have flown Ethiopia Air many times. Mm-hmm. I've had great experiences. I've had like some of the most lovely travel experiences on Ethiopia Air. I think that maybe this was like a special one for Jesse. Well, our Somali, our Somali contact was. I asked him about our flights over, and yeah. I and I uh, told him, you know, I was on Emirates, and and he asked Jesse. He said Ethiopia Air, and the guy goes, "Well, Ethiopia Air, they're getting a lot better." You know, he's like, "They're getting better and better every day." And and then he looks at me and he goes. No Emirates, but they're getting well, better. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere like I was treated very warmly. The the staff was you know kind and competent. It was just the physical airplane was a little out of date. They just had they didn't put the they didn't put the TLC into upholstery. Let's just say that you know their efforts, their efforts went other places. Also, like the pre flight video, like yeah. I saw it so many times during the course because you know we, even when you stop that you know they replay it. And for some reason, they just would randomly replay it on the flight, you know? <laughs> hey, in case something bad happens, just yeah. a little refresher. Yeah. Reminder. But like, oh. you know how um, basically every like Delta and United right now for theirs, they're basically doing like an OK Go video. Like the, the mm, way yeah. that they top, the way they make them tolerable these days is yeah. to have some insane choreo. It's like that, that new Chris Stapleton, Justin Timberlake video where it's got yeah. like a thousand actors in it and it's all like one long take and everyone claps after. I feel like that that's what the Ethiopian Airlines one was going for, but it was like I really thought about it a lot. It was it was like a series of interconnected of non interconnected skits involving buckling uh, uh, like seatbelts and like so at one point there's like mimes in it, but the mimes never come back at any point. You're just confused at why mimes are on an airplane. Like and then the gags just get much lazier. Like so like at one point because I guess like their idea is like we'll make it comical. Like we're not going to do the okay go thing we're made comical so like I'm talking about finding the nearest exit and the sight gag is just a guy with a gigantic pair of like military grade binoculars looking up and down the plane it just didn't work but it ended <laughs> like 
all, all the stewardesses in the in the video like this is what was concerning to me like someone thought this was a good idea you know how they give the demonstration of how to blow up the little um uh, yeah, the floating uh, inflatable uh, the life vest. vest yeah. You're right? wearing, yeah, your vest. So they do that, but then for some reason they have all of the, the stewardesses who are in the video in like a giant in the deep end of a giant pool, like awkwardly treading water with the inflatable life vest. And you could tell the look on their faces; they weren't enjoying it. And you could see how uncomfortable those life vests are that are around your neck. And it was like, I don't want to see people treading water in life vests on an airplane. That just seems misguided. It was an interesting choice for a video. That's all I'll say. Again, <laughs> uh, we had on our Ethiopian air flight all of Christopher Guest and all these people doing a pretty funny comic thing. Really? No, it's a really? lot. Really? Oh, oh, oh. But I'm just saying, I think you were on a, I think you just had a very personalized experience. Yeah, yeah. I think they knew I was yeah. coming. But you got those socks, wow. eh? Yeah, I got some sweet yellow socks out of the deal. So yeah, and you nice. got home. That's what matters. Yeah, I, I did make it home. And I got a couple two dollar bills, so uh, can't spend those, but still cool. Mm, so it's still legal tender. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard "Younger" with the song "Remember." Hey, uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. I have for years been a Squarespace. Uh, customer and and I'm in fact building a uh, site right now with Squarespace, a little Ooh. secret project. Oh, it's exciting! Uh, creating your uh, your site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. You can design a best in class online store with Squarespace's award winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. From nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shops, Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. Right now, they are offering relevant podcast listeners a special deal. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code relevant to get 10% off your first purchase, Squarespace. Set your website apart. Hey, and I know we, we've Squarespace. We've been in it a long time with Squarespace, yeah. and they're amazing. They're great and to I, the show. I always ask people to do this if they've actually like heard about Squarespace on the show yeah. and built something. Just tweet it to the show because I would love to read it. I would love to see what you built. Oh, the site. You yeah, like I'm sure that people have done like small business. I mean, I know like Stately T-shirt Company. We talked about them before. They like started a whole company because they heard about Squarespace on the show. There I'm always go. just curious, like what people actually do. I know but, you don't care, but I care. I do care. But I'm like, Why a, you say that? Because I'm people. a very sweet person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very grateful that Squarespace has supported our show for so long, and I love that our listeners support them in return. So there yeah. you go. Hey, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, I'm going to do a, a twofer because uh, I both of these are interesting. I'm going to keep them quick, though. Um, uh, I because just want to let every week. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, I just, just want to let every. Go, what are you saying, Eddie? Just, just you do it every week. Just change the intro. Every week. Um, it's time for slices, Jesse. What are your slices, Jesse? What yeah, are the yeah, two things you have? Slices. Go for it, Jesse. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm bringing such so much good content. My apologies, Eddie. <laughs> okay. I didn't bring a hot bachelor take. So I. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to compensate with actual content. Um, oh, I can't wait to see what comes now. 
So I just want to let people know that according to new, a new study uh, by a group called Hello Products, uh, the good fight against the dental industry, against okay. big floss, against oh dentists that I've coffee. been leading on this podcast for a long time <laughs> is evidently <laughs> taking hold. They, they surveyed thousands of Americans to get an idea of their dental habits and found that millennials, um, you know, they're, they're much more fast and loose. They haven't bought into the lies of big dentistry. Uh, 30% oh <laughs> 30% of millennials brush their teeth just once a day uh, which I'm glad to hear oh, they're, wow. not, they're not they're not wasting they're not wasting their lives slaving over a sink uh, uh, brushing and flossing for an extra you know 90 seconds a once day, a day. So, once a day 30% so 70% do it twice a day or not at all um, because they or also right. found that uh, the average millennial uh, no. uh, has gone uh, more than two days at a time without brushing their teeth. No, sir. Yeah, and and they found that and this is like my your favorite mouth one. Is that furry after after Ew. a day. I mean, who? What who are you could, eating, Cameron? Who could cope? <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, yeah, a lot of swish them, swish them coke around like the fizz, uh, eat the plaque, and then continue your day. <laughs> the fizz on coke does not eat the plaque off yeah. your teeth. Uh, also, uh, so they found that 62% of Americans were afraid to visit the dentist, but out of all the, the demographics, millennials were more likely to be afraid of the dentist than any other age group. So keep go fighting the good fight, fellow millennials. I have a great dentist. I love my dentist. She's so gentle and kind. She has cable TV on right in front of me. So I just watch. Does she have one on the ceiling? No, it's like kind of connect. It's like a movable one sort of connected to the light. So you yeah. just are looking right where you're supposed to look and you just catch up on your morning news and see what Al's cooking on the Today Show. And, you know, you're yeah. off and running. Hmm. Uh, Man, that's so, a disgusting <laughs> slice, cool. Jesse. Pretty, pretty so, 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 so my other slice is an interesting form of activism that took place at the Museum of Modern Art in New York this week. Um, mm. When visitors were about to go into the museum, they were approached by people on the street who offered to um, tell them about this app that they could download that would enhance their museum-going experience. And what it was is that they had used... Um, like geolocating technology to create an augmented reality exhibit on top of the paintings and works that are at, at, at MoMA in New York. So essentially, if you were visiting the museum, you download this app, you could hold up your phone and instead of seeing the painting or work of art on the wall, you would see one from a member of the public. Um, and they also, so sure. Momar, the activist group who created this um, bit of augmented reality activism that they didn't have permission from um, uh, MoMA to do describe themselves as a nonprofit, non-owned, uh, and, and it exists in the absence of privatized structures. Their goal, they said, is um, is that as with any establishment, be they media, church, or government, the richest galleries are canonized to the point where the public's role and contribution is reduced to the passive observer. So they set up a site where people could submit their own artwork and have it digitally placed in the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Um, I think it's a that's a cool, cool yeah. yeah cool way of acting. It's not destroying anything. Uh, you know, no one. I feel like with augmented reality, no one no, owns like the this kind of digital space so yeah, yeah why, why not try something like this this is like common that's what he's talking about now that's on a the man. microsoft that's board. a man that right is there. a man yeah that's a man uh, he, it is all right what do you have any okay so let's talk fashion from the oscars just for a second mm, i'm ready because, yes i need you to stay with me because this is hugely interesting i think you know one of the things did y'all watch the oscars i'm sure y'all did of course right? every second. Yeah. i did not i did not 
I watched it. Okay. All. No kidding. All right. I loved it. It was amazing. Can I be honest? It was pretty yeah. boring. It was, there was, I felt <laughs> well, like. I mean, I, I, was, every, I was watching all the season finales of my HBO shows that, that night. Sunday night, the HBO is like. Oh, because you're crashing. Yeah. It was, it was the season finale of crashing. It was and, great. Yeah. Annie, sorry to co-opt your slice here. Is that the right no, word? No. I've been kind of into that word lately. Did I say it the, use it the right way? No. You didn't co-opt no. it. You just like intruded on it. Yeah, I knew. I knew I didn't use it right. You stole. Don't edit that did. out, though. I need people to know that I'm not perfect and not the best <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> Annie. So could we leave one segment in where Eddie's not perfect? <laughs> but AFD, really helpful. Did you agree with the best picture uh, winner, which was The Shape of Water? I thought The Shape of Water was a really good movie. So I, I don't. I, I disagree. I, I didn't see them all. I, I, I thought it was flat. I thought it was trying to be something that it wasn't. And it was just strange and not compelling. It was it was bestiality with a fish. It was weird. There wow. was no there was wow, no wow, chemistry. Wow. There was no love story that that you get wrapped mm-hmm. up in. Mm-hmm. It was just literally like it went from zero to sixty. Like there's an egg, there, and then they're having that. sex. It's and weird. I, and I hate yes, to like double I down agree. on this with you, but like, what's your opinion about the movie? <laughs> okay, so Amy, what did you think? <laughs> yeah. Apparently Cameron really had feels. Yeah. I thought the movie was interesting. I thought the ending that I don't want to spoil was very moving. The very ending. Really? With me. See, I thought the, they were trying part. to make it moving and it didn't get there. I I, th- I felt the whole thing was like them going, hey, we're going to go for an Oscar. So we should do this. And then it was just like ineffective. Uh-huh. I thought it was I thought it was flat. I like the soundtrack. I'll, I'll say this, guys. Here's my opinion. I was going to watch it on the plane, but instead I watched three episodes. <laughs> the, the only three episodes available of Rob Lowe's short lived sitcom, The Grinder. Um, <laughs> that they just play over and over. And no, over. literally, there was three episodes of Rob Lowe's The Grinder. That was like the only thing in the comedy TV section. Oh, oh, that show was canceled because on repeat viewings, it's it's pretty good. On repeat viewings, it's it's pretty good. You it holds give up. It. It holds I would say up, this yeah. if you're looking to go back and watch The Grinder, if you can find it, if you're on an Ethiopian air, watch the first three episodes, then watch them again. And, then, watch them again and, again. and you're like, I can see why this is canceled. Watch them again. Delirium starting to set at that point. Yeah. And it's just playing more. So, um, okay, now I have a question though. If you didn't like Shape of Water, any of you, what movie would you have wanted? I pulled them up, uh, Annie. Uh, here were the nominees for people to refresh memory The Shape of Water, Darkest Hour, which was the Winston Churchill, uh, you know, uh, movie, uh, Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, uh, Missouri, Get like Out, The Post. Call me by your name and Ladybird. Okay. Here, Jesse, not to rub it in, but I, I want to be honest with you. I, I watched four of those movies <gasps> on my plane. No, oh, wow. I watched Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, Phantom Thread, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I, like I have three seen the, the Post and The Shape of Water and Ladybird previously. So you've seen them all, and I have not seen Call Me by Your Name. That's the only one I hadn't seen. How about Dunkirk, huh? Dunkirk's amazing. I, so which I'm one would so you pick? glad the post didn't win because I felt that oh, also I, was another one that was trying to trying win the Oscar totally and it was yeah. flat. Oh, oh do, yeah. okay. do, do, do you feel I I mean, I feel like out of the ones that I've seen that get out, I feel like should have won. I feel like it, it it was groundbreaking for a lot of reasons, but also it spoke to like a social issue in a very interesting way. Um, I, yeah. When you're looking back at the at the at the year. Uh, 2018 
like the shape of what, and this is what they're kind of talking, you know, Daz and the, the team is talking about later in that segment. I don't feel like the shape of water says anything about the era that we're in. Yeah, right? that's like, true. It, 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 but I feel like get out does. And I, it, and I don't know. I feel like that would have I been mean, the, the post. Could, you could make the argument for the post under that argument, you know, <laughs> yeah. free speech, press, stuff like that. Um, I thought, I mean, I almost thought like Phantom Thread would win just for like it's Daniel Day Lewis's, you know, going away prize. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, Is it? Well, it's his final film. Yeah. He's retiring yeah. from yeah. acting. That's right. And so, you know, but I, I loved, I mean, honestly, just how, which one did I enjoy the most? I mean, I loved three, board, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I did too. Really? It was so unexpected. Every time you then figured out, oh, yep. good guy, bad guy. 20 minutes later, you have different opinions about the people and you are challenged to rethink stereotypes and who's right and who's wrong. I thought it was phenomenal. Also, Lady Bird, obviously with the redemption. Lady Bird, I thought was fantastic too. Lady Bird didn't win anything because I feel like that film is significantly better than it was given credit for on Sunday night. And and I I don't know if any of y'all are into historical biopics or whatever, but Darkest Hour was phenomenal. It was an an engrossing performance. He cared, I mean, as a movie though, I don't think it was no, the most. Right. He, it was. Him. It was a great airplane movie. Yeah, and the good yeah. thing about him is that he was on screen the whole time, so he just yeah. was so fascinating. Well, and I actually learned things about Winston Churchill, the man that I didn't know. So, yeah. you know, assuming it was accurate. You know, what's interesting is where that that movie ends. If you watch it and then watch Dunkirk, like the I, I literally did. But that's where isn't it funny? Like <laughs> I wasn't going to watch Dunkirk because right. it was you know I went in the mood for like a violent movie. But I watched The Dark Sour, right. and then I was like, wow, I got to go watch Dunkirk now. So yeah. I did. Oh, it's so wow. funny though. It ends with him. It ends with him sending the civilian army to Dunkirk, and then you watch, watch Dunkirk. Dunkirk. It's, like, oh, it's what crazy. It's I, I feel like the, the Oscars historically have had like a bias against comedy. Um, and I feel like you kind of, I feel like mediocre dramas make it over like great comedies. And I I feel like the movie I would, I would thought would have been a good gesture to have like nominated. I don't think it should have won, but I feel like the big sick deserved more recognition. Um, that was a great movie. I felt like it was a great movie. It talked about, you know, it touched on, you know, issues like immigration and, and race and religion in really interesting ways. And also sort of, uh, you know, millennial, uh, like the the whole idea of you know waiting to kind of settle down and and going for your dream. I felt like it had a lot of things that seemed very timely, but also in kind of a timeless, really good story. And but but again, you, movies like that generally don't get the the kind of recognition that even what I consider some mediocre dramas like The Post get. Yeah, I agree. A lot of good movies, though. I well, mean, it was just still. I thought a lot of people said it wasn't a good year for movies, but I, I disagreed. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. So my slice is why we're here. Oh my gosh, that's right. What do you have, Annie? Right. So oh. my slice is Wow. I was like, what do you got? There, <laughs> right. There was one, one of the one of the introducers. Is that the word? No. One of the people who does the presenters. Um, presenters. Thank you. Presenters. Okay, so it was Tiffany Haddish and Maya Rudolph. And it was hysterical for starters. Yes. But but also what? Are you about to talk about Tiffany Haddish's outfit? Yes. This is the best. This is the best. I love this place. So Tiffany Haddish wore this really beautiful white dress and and it is and it broke every rule in Hollywood because she wore it on the red carpet to open her film Girls Trip. She wore it to host SNL and then she wore it on the Oscars because she said it's an Alexander McQueen and I spent $4,000 on it. Oh I will keep wearing it. I'll just Febreze it every time. And I think that is brilliant. So my question to you dudes is, do you even notice that stuff when women wear the same dresses like we do? No. no. Uh, 
No. I didn't notice it. No, but when I heard about it later, I was like, oh, that's right. That's the SNL right. dress because she just so clearly talked about it. She like made such a clear joke about it. Yeah. yeah. And then she came back on Weekend Update and was wearing it again. I thought it was yep. great. Yeah, yeah, I, I think don't it's think great. it's I don't think it's like because guys could wear the same tuxedo Dude. every single year and no one would know. You right? guys literally. Right. You guys yeah. know. I you have I talked to you about the same clothing thing? I no. just ordered a trial shirt that if this shirt works, uh-huh. I'm ordering 10 of them and I'm getting uh, rid of everything and wearing only the shirt. You're going to be like earnest. It's it looks a lot like your shirt. You're locking it in. I'm wow. locking it in. Black polo, uh-huh. no pants, Man, sandals. Wait, what? No, no pants. I'll wear pants. <laughs> okay. No pants. I have uh, a friend who has 10 V-neck, no, five V-neck and five crew neck black shirts, and he just rotates every day. Oh, my. All Derek Webb uh, wears is a white T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. I'm tired uniform. of thinking about it, and I'm, I'm living my best life you're, now. You're Andrew doing, WK has been doing this for, for like, you know, 20 years. Just the, He looks like a house painter, and he just owns it. You I know? don't think that generally, I don't think generally a guy would ever notice or care. I feel like the only thing I care about is, like, does she like her own outfit? But if she wore that, I got to be honest, even having this conversation with this slice, even if she was wearing that white dress again in her next public appearance, 1% chance I notice it. Like, yeah. it's just yeah. not on a radar. But I do like that it's like the long con. It's the long joke. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I like yeah, that yeah. she's... Well, she also grew up in, <laughs> I, I believe, poverty. Like, she has a yes. real sense of, like, not how ha- I think she... Didn't she grow up, like, being kind of moved around the foster care system? Yeah. That's right. And she I was think in it's just... Homes. I mean, I think right. it is saying a statement because there is this pressure that every time you're seen publicly, you have to look different. I mean, I feel that on and when I'm speaking on stages that if I wear the same shirt twice and people take pictures with me twice, that I that it's embarrassing or stupid or I don't know. And so the pressure is there, maybe more for women than for men, but the pressure is there oh. to to look different every time you're seen publicly. Oh, yeah. And that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. If, if I'm like, yeah, the only time I really think about it is like if I got a big event and I need to hit up you know, TJ Maxx and, you know, get some new duds. Get I'm stressing, you know, get otherwise I just blindly walk into my closet and close this my is, eyes and just grab something, you know. This is why Jesse shows up with his suit wrinkled in a garment bag for Christmas parties, Cameron, because right, right. of that conversation It looked right fine, Annie. I don't, yeah. <laughs> Cameron, hey, it's the same thing. I've worn that jacket for like four Christmas parties in a row. Four Christmas parties in a row. Care. I mean, I just think this is such an interesting difference between men and women. Cause like we haven't talked about a single woman who wears the same thing every day, but we keep talking about men. Y'all, everybody knows dudes who are and Eddie's about to be one. I think uh-huh. it's an interesting difference that maybe there are women should tell us if they're out there that wear the exact same thing every day. Let me ask you a question. Do you think, and of course we're just again, sweeping generalities here. Do you think that that is a issue? Like, is that reality brought on by women's perception of each other or men's perception of women or some other factor. Oh, a thousand percent women's perception of each other. Interesting. So it's not, I think. so it's not like guy there. The, oh, I see. So you're thinking, uh, unpack that for me. How about I, I, I say it that way? Okay. I'm way less concerned about if I was dating someone, I'm way less concerned about him seeing me in the same outfit than I am. All my girlfriends seeing me in the same outfit. If right. I'm being like, if I'm in a bad, unhealthy place of myself, yeah, mm. I'm way, I'm it way more is about what the women are going to think about what I'm wearing than what the dude is going to think. Cause about what I'm I'll wearing. tell you the guy doesn't care. Yeah. No. Right now. Here's my question. Do you think the fish in shape of water would care? Because that's a whole different frontier. <laughs> well, it depends is does she smell like eggs or not? 
Mm, that's right with with his big yeah I mean, the fact that they were sharing eggs i'm like what a disgusting food bestiality. i'm glad you just called it what it is cameron because literally that's i mean what, he was a fish was. man he wasn't yeah. it wasn't just like a no, dolphin or no, something no, yeah. no it was a beast yeah that, it was not that movie totally jumped the shark yeah it was Oh, I think that's- <laughs> he literally air high me because of his really bad pun. Yeah, wow. yeah. That's, that's why I, I also like that you return the air high five. I'm, I'm, always, I'm an encouraging oh, yeah. high five returner. You're gonna, you're gonna it was cute to watch. I'll be the first to admit it was cute to watch. <laughs> we'll high five. We'll air high five. We won't touch. I don't know why we're high five. I don't remember the last time we actually <laughs> made physical say, contact with I would with each not uh, high five because of that joke, but uh, you know. All right. Um, what do you have, Eddie? Hey, I was going to do a twofer, but I think uh, we probably yeah. don't have time for that. So, Annie, I'm going to give you a choice. Do okay. you want a kind of current state of technology, something interesting thing, sociological question to talk about? Or do you want a sort of like good news story that probably doesn't have as much like meat to it, but it's just a good news story? Well, let, bring bring the meat one. Put it in a box and bring it to us. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Corso style. Very good. Lee Give us Corso the Corso style. All right. That's the end of the joke. Well done, Cameron. So many years ago, I got I've I've supported one Kickstarter in my entire life, and it was for something called the Light Phone. And I've been talking about this Light Phone for a while. Yes. I was trying hardcore to get us to be, them to be sponsors. I don't know how sponsors work. I didn't call them. I didn't. I don't know what to do. But <laughs> right. I just was like, Did you just what? open your window and shout, "Light phone"? It's, it's <laughs> almost like Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah. I declare yeah, bankruptcy. It was almost exactly yeah. that. Yeah. I'm like, but I love this light phone, and I've talked about it on the show before. And the yeah. light phone essentially is a credit card size phone. Uh-huh. The light phone one is a credit card size phone that does a single thing: it makes and receives phone calls. There is no text. There is no camera. I thought it does text. No, 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 no. This is the light phone one. Okay. okay. So this company came out and the whole idea of the light phone is to disconnect from your phone, realizing that you still want to have a telephone in your pocket. You could enter in 10 speed dials and say, so I got a light phone. I liked it. Oh, really? You got it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And then um, my carrier stopped supporting it and I could no longer use it. So I've got this light phone that I don't use, but I loved it. it. I could eBay it for 30 whole dollars. So light phone <laughs> one came out, but the problem with the light phone one was always that it didn't have text messaging because I can't remember the last time I made a phone call. I text constantly. This is kind of how the right. new communication. So the new light yeah. phone two has come out and they've clearly heard the replies of their customers. And so now this one offers phone calls, very generic texting like it is. And it's like an e ink. It's still a credit card size. It's like an e ink kind of screen. And uh, and it offers the ability to like call Uber, but it's not the app. You just like click a button that says, take me home. And they somehow have worked into their backend working through the Uber app. But this new light phone too, they're saying is basically a complete option to disconnect from your iPhone. No more, no more iPhone. You've got exactly what you need in your pocket to get through day-to-day life, modern life, yeah. modern life. That's awesome. So it's come out and it's coming out in 2019 and this isn't like a product announcement, but the interesting thing is the first light phone, nobody really talked about. I mean, it was just, it, I just, I don't know how I heard about it. This next one, people are writing articles about it. It's really blown up and it has become a thing because people are, there has just been a strong response. I think now because it has text messaging, people are generally, there seems to be a real perceived need that they have answered that they want to get rid of. They want yeah. a dumb phone. They want a dumber phone. They want that to be their primary phone and it's hard to do. And it's not so calling, texting Uber. Those are calling, three things. Calling, it does. texting Uber. That is what it does. And you can save um, numbers in your speed dial. So you can yeah. call 10 of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, 10 of them, I mean, you can call like your fish boyfriend if he has a phone or whatever you need to do, right? Right. 
So well, it'd have to be a underwater phone. <laughs> Right. And he's got, he's got webbed fingers. I don't know if the interface. I we can right. talk it's about that harder, later. Harder for him to even yeah. pick up his sonic clicks <laughs> yeah. either. Right, right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, I just thought it was interesting that there has been such a strong reply to it. Curious what you all think. I definitely will get this phone. Really? Oh yeah. When it comes out in mass. I will get this phone and get rid of my iPhone because this will be. I needed text messaging on the first one. That's why I couldn't primarily switch to it because. Why not? Well, my friend Gabe that has one kept his iPhone and he just used his light phone on dates with Rebecca or when they are when he's doing work or something. So so I don't think it has to be one or the other. No, no, no. That's correct. Not to get too into light phone. But the reason he's able to do that is because he can forward through his he turns on his iPhone and clicks forward and it forwards everything to his light phone depending right. on what carrier you have some do that some don't mine does not uh, so, so you're saying like it. if you're on a if yeah you're on a date or you're hanging out with your kids or your friends or something you don't want right. to be distracted you can just right. carry the light phone That's as, right. yeah I mean I, this all sounds like great you can call it you can text it and mm-hmm. you don't have to have your phone yeah. on you I just think that this has possibly signaled and maybe this is pie in the sky or maybe maybe it's true, but it seems as though it has signaled sort of a bringing back a dumber phone like the pendulum is swinging and it's like, actually, we don't want the, all this connectivity. Yeah. We want this. Or is it we say we want this, but in reality, we probably still have an iPhone on the side that we're using and mm-hmm. we still have yeah. an iPad and we still have I, I'm just. Is know. it bad if it's on the side? Does that mean it? Because part of me says like that feels like a good middle. Yeah, we aren't going to get rid of our iPhones forever. Everyone's not going to throw that away, right? Yeah, and yeah, I so, don't think so is it a middle ground that is a healthy middle ground that there are times when you want to disconnect, and now there is a way you can do that and yeah. still be available to your most immediate people. Okay, well that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Ava DuVernay joins us. Natalie Prass. The song is Short Court Style. Love that song. Yeah, so good. Well, this week's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh, a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. HelloFresh is super convenient. You can just choose your delivery day for when it works best for your busy schedule. You can even pause your account for weeks at a time when you're out of town, which I just did. Uh, all the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe and it's delivered right to your door in recyclable insulated packaging. HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly and there are three plans to choose from, a classic, veggie, and family. HelloFresh makes it easy to cook delicious balanced dinners for less than 10 bucks a meal and it's not very time consuming, it takes about 30 minutes. I've been getting HelloFresh for uh, months now, and it has actually made me start cooking. It's really great. 
Right now, HelloFresh is offering relevant podcast listeners a special deal. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com slash relevant and enter offer code relevant30 to get $30 off your first week. Great deal. Do it. Well, this week, the big screen adaptation of the Christian sci-fi novel, A Wrinkle in Time, hits theaters. The movie is directed by Ava DuVernay, who became the first woman of color ever to direct a film with a budget over $100 million. The filmmaker is also known uh, for movies like the critically acclaimed 13th and Selma, as well as creating the TV show Queen Sugar uh, and directing the latest video from Jay-Z and Beyonce. We recently spoke with Ava about A Wrinkle in Time, her career, and how films can make a difference. Here is Ava DuVernay. After Selma... 13th, uh, you obviously had a, a lot of opportunities. What was it about this movie, this adaptation that appealed to you that made you decide this is the direction I want to go? Yeah, you know, I, I, I wanted to do something outside of uh, what I'd done before. I was interested in sci-fi. I was also interested in um, story, a story with a girl at the center or a woman at the center. Mm-hmm. Previously, I'd made Selma and I'd made my series Queen Sugar that had an ensemble cast and I'd made 13th, which was uh, a documentary. And so, you know, I wanted to get back to a woman-centered story. Uh, I was offered the book by Disney and I uh, wasn't familiar with it. Uh, read it and immediately felt that it was mine. Uh, really fell in love with the character at the time that um, the the book was presented to me, and, and as I was entering pre-production, mm-hmm. uh, my father passed away. And um, you know, the film was about the book is about a girl who's lost her father, and um, and so there were some connections there that were personal to me, and I really felt uh, responsibility to take the story in my hands and deliver this classic that had been around for 60 plus years and try to tell it uh, with with kind of every ounce of my heart. What do you, to, to what do you owe now that you're very familiar with it and you've obviously had been uh, like, you've, you've been knee deep in it for a few months now. What do you think it is that's given it such, uh, so much enduring relevance? Why it was written in the sixties. Why do you think it still really clicks today? It's about, um, universal themes of light and darkness within us, within the universe in societies and communities and, and in our, in various countries, all of it can be applied but this conversation about lightness and darkness, about the, the best in us and the worst of us, and how to reconcile those in each other and in ourselves is, that, is, what, is at the core of the book. And so, you know, those are deeply emotional themes that people are dealing with in their everyday lives. And, um, you know, I think that's what resonates for people. Do you think that subject of, of lightness and darkness with, uh, within the movie, um, is it, uh, is it something that's difficult? You, you've, you've made your name and people know you for, uh, for movies that seem like, at least on paper, that look like they have sort of a, a smaller scope. Is it difficult when you're making a movie like this to maintain that same level of, of emotion, of, of personal resonance when you have a movie that's this big and, and, uh, that's filmed with a lot of green screen work? Oh uh, yeah. You know what? I, it's actually difficult in any film to uh, penetrate plot and get to a personal place. When you see a film that actually has scenes that shimmer with an intimacy and an interiority, you're really looking at something that's very difficult to do, whether it's on a a green screen scene or whether it's two people talking in a living room. Um, So, you know, just that 
the skill set to do that is one that um, I've tried to hone and can, will continue to to do a lot to learn, a lot to practice. Uh, but it's a space where I feel feel comfortable and I like to be, and so I just applied everything I know about that kind of work to wrinkle, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it was a joy to do so. I, I want to return to the subject of lightness and darkness, and which is obviously a very central theme to the book. That's something that people have have always felt. There's always been this this sort of sense that there's lightness and darkness in all reality, and uh, and we we all have to choose a side in it. Um, and those questions kind of roll in and out. Uh, they, they take on different forms depending on current events and what's in the headlines. But what do you think is specifically in this movie that is going to speak to people who, who are feeling like there's a lot of darkness in the world right now? Because there is. Uh, what do you think might be some, some lessons or some themes that will speak specifically to them? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the book and the movie is about an embrace of hope and the ways in which we do that the journey that it takes each person, the journey that each person can take to get to a place where you live in a hopeful space. It doesn't mean to be naive and it doesn't mean to uh, turn your back on tragedy. I mean, in this story, the girl is having a, you know, kind of really a, a tragic family moment with her father having disappeared, not knowing where her loved one is, something that a lot of people experience through death or incarceration, mm-hmm. uh, different kinds of separation. Um, but through that, she, in, in her quest to find him, it's really her finding herself and a hope within herself, a way to proceed through tragedy with, with joy. Um, you know, I, I think it's really hard to live life in a hopeless space. You know, I'm a student of history, and while this might feel for a dark, like a dark time for many, um, it's not our darkest time. You know what I mean? Uh, there have been there have been times times far darker than this, and so I think it's important to, uh, you know, while we foreground ourselves in the present moment, we have to do so with a real acknowledgement of the past and how far we've come, mm-hmm. and uh, an acknowledgement of hope for the future. You know, and we hear those words, hope for the future, it's something that's said a lot, but when you really break them down, it's that, you know, the steps that we take, our forward movement, um, they need to be centered in a sense that there's more to do, and there's more available to us, and there's, um, you know, cause for celebration and a promise of possibility, and all of those things are something to smile about and something to be filled with light about. That was Ava DuVernay. Uh, for more from Ava and more about Wrinkling Time, check out the feature uh, we did with her in the brand new issue of Relevant Magazine. Available now. to hop along song is how simple well this weekend uh, Guillermo del Toro's sci-fi drama The Shape of Water took home the Oscar for best picture in light of the discussion around the film and the Oscars relevance Tyler Daswick hosted a roundtable discussion with a few of our favorite film critics to discuss the most important best picture winners of recent years and why the films can have such a major impact on culture 
in the way people think about social issues. Here is our very first Big Picture Roundtable. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Tyler Daswick, senior writer at Relevant. And uh, joining me for a discussion today about best picture, we're asking what makes a good best picture winner in light of the Oscars on Sunday. So joining me, I have two uh, friends of the podcast. Uh, Our first guest, he is a culture writer and the host of the Cinemaholics podcast. It's John Negroni. Hey, so good to be here. And our second illustrious guest, she is a freelance writer for places like Think Christian and Birth Movies Death. It's Abby Olchesi. Hi. John, Abby, the Oscars were Sunday night. Uh, they went mm. pretty chalk, a little bit as expected. Um, and we have uh, a new Best Picture winner to kind of join uh, the annals of, of movie fame. Um, and we're going to talk about Shape of Water at the end of the show. But first, what, what I've been really thinking about and what I want us to talk about today is what does it mean for a movie to be a good Best Picture winner? What makes the right choice when something wins best picture. Um, so that's kind of where I want to start the conversation. So what makes a good best picture winner? What do you want? What are your expectations or hopes when we're leading up to the Oscars and, uh, you're thinking about best picture and you're maybe picking for one movie or writing for one movie. So Abby, we'll start with you. What do you want out of a best picture winner at the Oscars? Sure. Um, Let's see. I think cultural relevance is always really important. Uh, I think it's good that a Best Picture winner kind of reflect what's going on at the time that it's made. Um, I also um, have kind of always seen the Oscars as sort of a, a larger cultural ambassador for movies to people who may not always have access to all of the movies that get nominated. So ideally, I, I want something that is culturally relevant, that speaks to where we are in history, and that also kind of makes a good statement as this is the best art that we produced this year. This is the thing that is most worth your time. So does that mean that the movie in your mind kind of has to like carry a, a certain message or like social significance? Um, I think it's helpful when it does. Um, I also think that if it, if it just um, dramatically does something that's really groundbreaking and interesting, um, or if it's really well received by like both critics and audiences, I think that's a pretty good representation. Um, something that really makes it stand out um, instead of something that just feels like this is a safe choice that everybody feels okay about. John, what do you think? You know, I was, I was just thinking that it, it, this is kind of a new thing because the thing you brought up about social commentary sort of being like an underlying thing in these best picture winners, that's kind of new. I mean, if you look at movies uh, over the past few decades, it used to be a thing where, you know, movies like Do the Right Thing would, wouldn't even get nominated, but Driving Miss Daisy would win, right? Yeah. And I, I, we're, we're just starting to see movies uh, come out each year that aren't just really great movies that I would say are worth being honored, but they're, you know, they're actually movies that have something to say beyond like, just like a very straightforward, traditional formulaic kind of, you know, there's a reason we call things Oscar bait, right? Sure. But as, yeah. as far as like what I, what I want out of a best picture movie, I mean, I honestly think that 
art is so subjective. Everyone's always going to be disappointed every year. I've never met somebody who has told me that their favorite movie was also like a best picture winner. Um, and maybe yeah. they're out there, but like it's they're really hard to find. And I think that in, in one sense, because art is so subjective, we do kind of find ways to sort of fit the Oscar system into something useful for us as people who love film. Right? We don't have control over who wins Best Picture. It's a very nebulous thing, but it does matter in the sense that people watch the Best Picture nominees and people go back in time and they look at, okay, this movie won Best Picture in 1950. That means something. I'm going to watch this movie. So I, it's important to me what wins Best Picture because it is sort of like a time capsule. And I think as we already said, it, it does it does have sort of a relevance. It kind of takes you back to what the mood was in the year that it came out. And I love going through the exercise of, in recent years too, but, you know, examining movies that did win. And sometimes they're movies that, that were, maybe they were good or whatever, but maybe they, they almost are anti the mood that they came out in. And they can tell you just <laughs> mm-hmm. as much about whatever year than a movie that won because it was Citizen Kane or it won because it was Singing in the Rain, which I don't even think was nominated now that I think about it. But uh, I, I love looking at this and I love examining, you know, uh, in recent years and going back in time and stuff like, wow, do we really like these movies that came out that were yeah. that won the Oscars? I think most of the time we don't know what's worth being best picture until a year or two down the road. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I think I think what I want most out of a best picture winner is in three years, five years, 10 years, I want to look back and be like, oh, yeah, that, that movie's still sort of important to me. That movie still matters. I think it, it's weird. It kind of has to strike a balance between like signifying that moment, but also having a sort of like permanence to it or like a sort of like transient property that lets it sort of carry forward and persist in a weird way. I think that's a good point. Um, and I wanted to actually, um, I, I appreciated John, what, what you said about um, it being uh, looking, looking back at, at previous winners and considering whether or not we, we think that they've really endured because I feel like that tends to be kind of the legacy of the Best Picture winner yeah. uh, for the Academy Award is that often you'll look back at it a few years later and say, really? That was the one that won? Like, I think Crash is like the perfect example of that. Like, that was the movie that took that mm-hmm. year and pretty much almost immediately after it won, people were noting how problematic it was and how much they regretted the fact that it won. So guys, so we have uh, we have the Argos of of the best picture landscape, and we have the Twelve Years a Slave, and we have the Hurt Lockers, um, and we have the Moonlights, and all this stuff. So taking all that into account, uh, I'm really curious what you guys think about how we will think of The Shape of Water this year's best picture winner going forward. Is this a movie to you? that will uh, sort of persist as a strong Best Picture winner? I think it will. I think um, it's it will persist as, um, at the very least, a piece of art that holds up. I think Get Out not winning, for me, still feels kind of like a missed opportunity, um, since I think it feels more immediately relevant and a better representation um, culturally of things right now. But I also think The Shape of Water is kind of more in line with what the Academy tries to project a lot of the time, which is sort of the optimism and unifying power of cinema, um, which is also a thing that really ages well as art. So I think it may not be 
the option that I would have chosen necessarily, but I again, I see why it was picked and I think it probably will hold up a few years down the line as something that is good and creative and a good representation of what art had to offer in 2017. That was our Big Picture Roundtable. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. Get an early look at the much-anticipated film, Paul, Apostle of Christ, by checking out the novelization of Paul's incredible life in which Paul and Luke race against time and history to deliver the gospel to the world. The book, available now, describes even more scenes and flashbacks not shown on screen. Paul, Apostle of Christ, in theaters nationwide on March 23rd. For more information, visit bethanyhouse.com. You're listening to Brother Sundance. The song is Monsters. Uh, Well, it's time for your feedback. And if you've been listening to the show for the last few weeks, we've started a brand new segment, the Listener of the Week, little inside baseball. We just uh, tried to record one with one of our uh, awesome listeners, and we had some technical issues. So we will be inviting her back on the show next week. So we'll take a little hiatus. Oh, yeah. And just as a little sneak peek, she's interesting. Yeah, oh, very for sure. Way for better sure. than any of us. I, I, she is a master of a of a of a sinister martial art that I'm busy image searching right now, guys. <laughs> it's all grabbing people in the face. It, <laughs> I cannot wait to talk to this woman. Also, yeah. she's going to be the right person to ask questions about how exactly in shape of water, like he was able to breathe. Oh yeah, of, that's, of right. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's good. Right. He's a respiratory of, specialist who knows yeah, the yeah, sweet yeah, face grabbing martial so art. So don't yeah. miss that next week. Our listener mm-hmm. of the week will come back, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is now time for editorial question of the week. Last week, uh, we asked you how you would spend forty-two million dollars, but there's a catch. Hilariously, how would you hilariously spend forty-two million dollars? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Uh, it, it was inspired by the fact that Jeff Bezos is uh, doing a ten thousand year clock at the base of a mountain he owns, and uh, to the hefty price tag of forty-two million dollars, I thought this is the most biggest waste of money. But then it got us thinking about other ways to waste that kind of money. And uh, you guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts, and you also posted your replies on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here's a few of our favorites. <laughs> okay. So Scott Corin, you know, we specifically said you can't give the money away, but right. he's doing it so hilariously. We'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> this is a way that he would give all the money away. That would be completely unhelpful to everyone. Uh, so Scott did some math. And because the, the, the population of the United States, uh, it's over 300 million people. He broke it down. Each person 
person would technically get 12.85 cents. So in his math, 12, 15% of the population could get 12 cents and 85 would get 13. This helps nobody. What are you going to do with 13 cents? Nothing. This is like those class action lawsuits where you get like an email or a letter in the mail. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're entitled to your 75 cents from yeah. Facebook. And it's like, wait, what the? And they, then he says, plus, how would I, I would have to figure out a way to get 13 cents to each person. It would be a colossal pennies, waste of time. The amount time. of pennies. I love that Scott Corn figure out a way to waste his entire fortune in a way that literally helps not one person. <laughs> that is, listen, the most amazing thing to me about this segment as the newest person on the show is that our people are the funniest and the weirdest. Like they think up crazy stuff like that. And I love it. This guy, Josh Wright, said he would buy a $42 million worth of tickets to a Justin Timberlake concert. And then when the arena was empty because he had bought all the tickets, he would just tell Justin Timberlake he'd been punked. And I think that is hysterical. That's just an empty <laughs> arena. Or make him perform just for you. Yeah, make you just make him do the whole show just for you. And then, you know, 42 yeah. million, you could basically buy up the entire tour. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah, just yeah. travel from city to city. Justin comes out all excited. <laughs> yeah, sold out. And it's and always it's, you and your handful of friends. It's just you. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, it's it's me again. It's hey Justin, get started, man. We paid for this. Get started. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do you think she met the fish on Sea Harmony? Oh, no. oh no. high five on that one. Yeah. No, 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 no high five. <laughs> Please, hey, hey, shut him down for a little while, Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too high. You lose your yeah. microphone rights with sounds like that, buddy. Again, that's Sea Harmony. <laughs> hey Eddie, Jeremiah Dowling's gonna spend his whole forty-two million dollars to prove to you that holes are real. Yeah, he's gonna do use all his money just for that. Well, I, you know, it, you it's know, not gonna work, but we're gonna have a heck of a helicopter ride together around the Grand Canyon, and it's gonna be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> what was so crazy? That, what was so crazy to me about the end of, uh, yes, of the yes, movie yes, was yes, that yes, yes. their relationship didn't work out, but yeah, yeah. it really wasn't that big of a de- big deal to her. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Ah, yes. <laughs> hey guys, I started watching after five minutes. I was hooked. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted instead of feedback. I knew if I did one. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, the, the whole fish romance got to me. I didn't think I was going to finish. Oh, no. No. no, no, no. <laughs> Microphone removed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Uh. I had a funny one here. Oh, <laughs> Josh Jack would buy every candy corn factory in the world and burn them to the ground. It's like no oh, one's wow. forcing you to eat candy corn, Josh. You don't have to ruin it for yeah, the people buddy. who like it. It's just a ma- he's a man of principle, and I can appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> this guy said, uh, Sean Kerno said, I actually won forty two million before and attempted to buy Google, but accidentally bought forty two million goggles online. <laughs> 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 I'm still swimming in debt. Oh, keep it. Swimming keep in debt. I the water. Pl- yeah, I the water theme. Yeah. Okay. Swimming in debt. Yeah. Uh, Ashley McDonald said on Twitter, uh, visit every dollar store in the nation. Spend it one dollar at a time on dashboard. Hula dancers <laughs> and off-brand snacks. Um, uh, Brian Stevenson, oh, went for the jugular. Donate the $42 million to Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. 
Your rule was that the money couldn't do any good for humanity. Oh, that's the one I'm going to read. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine his face? Jamie Swagger's like, a $42 million check? Oh, wow. <laughs> Mind blown. Uh, Cindy on Twitter posted a, a gif of that, uh, our, our good friend, the skier, who um, <laughs> ended up not doing any tricks at the Olympics. And Cindy said what, she would finance her own Olympic mediocre career. I like that idea. If you have enough money, yeah. you go for it. Why not? Right. All right. Well, there's a lot more where those uh, came from. You can go check them out. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. And let me just say, can I just put in a little disclaimer here? If you haven't seen The Shape of Water, yeah. you should know that yeah. we didn't know what we were getting into when we sat down That's at the right. theater. So you're going to see it and go, did Relevant recommend that? Yeah, no. Oh, no, it's a strong there, there, there's recommendation. There's a difference between a recommendation and fish puns. That's yeah. the important right. lesson yeah. here. Right. My recommendation is Make that, that you watch Ladybird. I would say yeah, that. There you go. For sure. I would recommend that movie. The Shape of Water, I would, no. I would there's say... A, there's a very jarring uh, a graphic just, scene at the beginning of the movie that is like unsettling. That basically made everybody really uncomfortable, and so now we're making jokes about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. That's how we deal with pain. But yeah. I would say see Lady Bird right. all day, every day. All day, every day. Nothing fishy about that movie. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's, you know, it still wasn't the yeah, joke. Was, it still okay. was, yeah, it was yeah, kind of a little yeah, on the nose, but, you know, I guess. <laughs> okay, so earlier in the show, a long time ago, we were talking about <laughs> um, Jesse's, you know, uh, lovely air travel experience and also his road trip experience yakking all over Africa. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow. He, he, we, it got us thinking, we want to know your worst or most hilarious travel stories yeah i'm sure there's some real horrendous ones i can't wait i know we're gonna all gag before this is done yeah Oh, totally. Hey, uh, before we wrap this show up, I, I just saw him walking by. Um, uh, I want to welcome uh, Mr. Calvin Kearley to the show. Calvin, come on. So a little behind the scenes, our, our podcast studio has glass doors and, and I saw Calvin walking it's like a by fish bowl in here. and we waved him in. It's like a fishbowl in here. <laughs> we waved like him in because uh, uh, Eddie was right. We're circling it. We're circling mm-hmm. it. Yeah, there's, but, chum, there's chum in the water. Right. See, God, this feels oh, good. Boy. That's what that's about. Earlier, <laughs> Calvin, welcome <laughs> yes. to the show Thanks. again. Uh, Calvin Gearley, uh, that's Miss Annie F. Downs. Hi. Pleasure. Um, Annie is a We were talking about the Oscars. Speaker and podcast. Uh, we, were, we were talking about the Oscars, Calvin, and we got talking about fish, uh, the, shape of the Shape of Water. Of water. Yeah. Oh. See that? See that movie? The fish Out of Water. I didn't. And, uh, <laughs> and it just, it's, it's uh, sum it up for you. There's a fish. There's a lady. They they get it on. Naturally, romance. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Naturally, naturally, a romance. Yeah. Naturally. And so, it's a documentary. Well, right. got, it's kind <laughs> of low-hanging fruit. You know, the fish was such a I've catch. I've seen this movie Gross. so many times. It was oh, such a catch. Ah, oh, he he was such a it. catch. Okay. Well, that's the thing. It's like, Chandler, we, we, was that you? Yeah, Chandler. Chandler. Yeah, so, so Eddie's oh been God. circling the puns. Yeah. Okay. Circling yeah. the puns, right. and he can't, hasn't quite landed the he plane yet. He hasn't been yet. able to finish. Ah, I see. Uh, see oh, Jesse that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. That's right. There's Hold a, on. Getting warmed up. At, at the end of the movie, just so you know, a little spoiler alert, oh, no. their relationship doesn't work out, but it's fine for her because there's plenty of fish oh. in the water. Right. right. So right. there's yeah. just, you know. She got on Sea Harmony. That was the joke before. That's what led us off with Sea Harmony. So here... What yeah. what we're saying is I don't want to put you on like the comedy spot, but right. like we're just going to finish the show with you on the microphone. Okay. And yeah. just see if the Lord puts anything on your heart. Don't bring him into this. I should say Zeus. It was a big, mm. it's a big beast Poseidon. man, a big fish man. Poseidon. Yes. Poseidon. Yeah. They seen. like, they like eggs. <laughs> he so lives good. in the ocean so good. and she joins him there. 
Well, I'm. Uh, well, now you've spoken. When there's a gill, there's a way. Yeah, there we go. Because she really wanted to make it work, and so she was very determined. Where there's a gill, there's a way. But he doesn't even know how good that works. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, I thought it was a two. Okay. Yeah. 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 Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. We need more. We need more. Many thanks to uh, this episode's sponsors for making the show possible. Remember, you can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code relevant to get 10% off your first purchase. Also, thanks to HelloFresh. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com slash relevant and enter relevant 30. You know what I say about that deal? Holy mackerel. That's a good deal. Okay. Also, thanks to our guest, Ava DuVarnay. You can follow her on Twitter (laughs) at Ava. I mean, that's baller status right there. Just at AVA. Yeah. Uh, And go check out A Wrinkle in Time. It's in theaters now. Came out this weekend. Hey, the new issue of Relevant is out now. Uh, It's our 15-year anniversary issue. John Legend is on the cover, and Miss Ava DuVernay is in it. It's packed full of amazing content. You can view the issue now online at relevantmagazine.com, and if you want to get the very uh, nice tactile experience mailed to your house, you can get the print edition. Uh, You can subscribe to the print edition there as well. Um, Hey, guys, I swear to God. I swear to God, it is a good issue. (laughs) Swear to God. I said God. I said God. I I didn't didn't say anything in vain. I can take Mm. a fish in vain. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. We are this off. Is, this is the thing we ever do. I thought, Jesse, that was a little shellfish of you. <laughs> are you Googling puns? No, but I, I am cheating. now. I am now because I, I feel like I'm about to get dry. Oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> It's really gasping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's right. You know what will uh, get a, if you ever get a wrinkle in time, you know what will help get that out? It's the shape of water. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if if you can think of a better fish pun, let Minnow. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. No. We're just floundering. Let's Ladies move on. Let's water here. Yeah. Oh. oh. Let me know. Not Cameron. Bad. Cod do better. <laughs> we have to end this podcast now. <laughs> I don't know No pun there. We just Please. have to end this. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. Oh, my gosh. I'm so mad I could just krill somebody. Krill. Oh. Little, little, uh, no, you don't have to explain. You don't have to explain. It's like yeah. a shrimp. Yeah. Yeah, We're just yeah. going oceanic. We're across the board. Wait, Karen, Karen, what was the name of the star of Lady Berg? Shushi Ronan? <laughs> Something like that. Sushi Ronan? Is that what you're trying to make? Sushi. Yeah, Sushi yeah, Ronan. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I like that you just went there, Jesse. You just made your own fish pun. You didn't leave it to salmon else. the fact these things live in y'all is such a blessing (laughs) hey guys we must scale we we really need to scale back on the fish puns we gotta scale back (laughs) back. yeah yeah Yeah. gosh all right let's reel it in here finish this oh reel it in reel it in all right none of these puns are really current (laughs) (laughs) Calvin's just going oceanic at this point he's just making sea puns yeah sea puns (laughs) Puns. All right. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Eddie Kaufholtz. I'm Calvin Fishface Curly. <laughs> I'm Annie F. Downs. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. See? What's see? Yeah. 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 Under the sea. Under the sea. Under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. I'm on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. 
Thank you for listening to the relevant podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Nobody beat us, fry us, and eat us in fricassee. We wouldn't land folks loves to cook. Under the sea, we have to hook up. We got no troubles. Life is the bubbles under the sea. Under the sea. Since life is sweet here, we got to be here naturally. Even the sturgeon and the rain. The earth start to play. We got the spirit. It's called The Bachelor. I, I, I think it's I think it's European. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.